Listen through to the end of this interview and learn how you can save $225 on the Princeton Review's MCAT Ultimate or MCAT Self-Paced Prep course. This is the Pre-Med Year, session number 172. Hello and welcome to the Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Years podcast. If this is not your first time joining us, if it is, thank you for joining us for the first time. Today we have a great discussion with a Princeton Review instructor who also tutors the MCAT students at the Princeton Review, was a pre-med himself at one point and is still deciding his future path. And we'll dig into that when we talk to Ken in a little bit. But I wanted to talk about the MCAT for a minute and talk about how it is a crazy test. If you don't know that, if, if you're kind of unaware of what the MCAT is at this point, that's okay. It probably means you're still early enough on that it's not that big of a deal. But as you'll hear in this discussion, that preparing for the MCAT starts basically when you set foot on college campus. And so this interview will talk about the common mistakes that students make, that pre-med students make as they prepare for the MCAT. And hopefully you'll listen to this, you'll heed the advice, and hopefully you won't make these mistakes that we'll discuss with Ken. Let's go ahead and dig into it and welcome Ken to the show. Ken, welcome to the Pre-Med Years Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. So you are at the Princeton Review. Why don't you give me a little bit of a a backstory with who you are and how long you've been with the Princeton Review and teaching the the wonderful MCAT? Yes. Uh, So I am in the West Coast. I graduated from Berkeley uh, a couple years now, and I... I uh, was a science major, so I studied bioengineering as well as neurobiology. And as an undergrad, I was a pre-medical student, spent a lot of time uh, you know, doing all those things that pre-meds did, including taking the MCAT. And after taking the MCAT, I decided that I wanted to teach for the Princeton Review. So um, I started doing that, teaching uh, MCAT general chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, as well as biology. And I uh, did that for a few years. And as I stayed with the company for uh, you know, a longer period of time, I basically gradually started doing more and more for the company. So doing tutoring, doing some content development, which means I helped to write some of the practice passages, questions, and the review books that students use, um, as well as uh, giving marketing presentations, going around to schools, telling students what the MCAT is about. You just didn't have enough of it the first time. You wanted to dig in even more. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a pre-med, but you're no longer a pre-med. Why don't you give a little bit of a backstory with, with your 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 path to what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, so... 
I've always been uh, really fascinated in translational applications of research, which is essentially developing new healthcare treatments. Um, so all through my undergrad, I thought I was going to apply for MD, PhD school. So, you know, of course, I took the M MCAT thinking I was going to do so. Um, uh, the thing, though, was in my undergrad, I actually spent a lot more of my time doing research uh, as opposed to getting clinical experience. So when I graduated, I actually had very, very little clinical experience. So at that point, it was basically I could get that clinical experience to apply for med schools or do more research, which was basically what I decided to do. And um, so I think that it, it basically told me a bit about my own personal interests so my plan now is to attend grad school, uh, get the PhD, and I think after the PhD, I will decide uh, whether or not, um, you know, I feel that the MD is still necessary for me to do the type of work that I want to do. Okay, very interesting. I think it's a, a, good, a good path that you've gone down. You've, you've had those discussions with yourself of, is this really something I want or need? Do I need an MD to do all the research that I want to do? And so that's, that's something I think anybody that's on that similar path to you can, can learn from. So that's great. Mm -hmm. I want to talk today with you about the, some of the common mistakes that you see with students as they're preparing to take the MCAT. Obviously, as a Princeton Review tutor an instructor you've been there done that you've you've seen the mistakes that students make and so i want to hopefully teach the the pre-med right now that's listening to this what those mistakes are so hopefully that they won't make them on their journey so why don't we start off what's what's probably the most common mistake that you see among pre-meds as they're preparing for the mcat so i think the most common mistake is not thinking through about uh, their plan for studying for the MCAT. And that is, when pre-med students are thinking about taking the MCAT, there's actually a lot of different um, time points that they could be taking the test, you know, perhaps after their sophomore year or junior year, or perhaps even after they've graduated. And that's actually a pretty uh, complex issue because, you know, depending on the year of the student, that will determine how many courses that they will have taken. And particularly with the new MCAT exam, now that they've added more biochemistry, psychology, and sociology, uh, students who don't really think about whether or not they have taken all of those courses before studying for the MCAT, you know, there could be some issues there. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? So when ideally from from your experience when should somebody have taken the mcat by so it it definitely varies once again uh, i think the most important for, thing for students is that they have taken all of their prerequisite courses and make sure that they have uh, a chunk of time that they're able to dedicate towards studying for the MCAT. And that is, some people will tell students, oh, you should take the MCAT right after you, you know, take all your prerequisite courses. Uh, but the thing, though, is for students that wait, chances are they're going to take more advanced biology courses. And more advanced uh, biology courses can certainly help on the MCAT, but isn't necessarily uh, required. But at the same time, if students try to do the opposite, and that is... Uh, 
take the MCAT after they graduated, then yes, they've taken more advanced courses, but those fundamentals, you know, such as general chemistry, chances are they took it in their freshman year, so the content they might have forgotten. So in that case, then it doesn't seem to matter, you know, uh, when they choose to take the MCAT. It's more so to make sure that they have enough time in their schedule to study for the exam. And the reason why I say that is because when you think about the number of semesters of material covered on this new exam, with general chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, biochemistry, biology, psychology, sociology, that's a lot of semesters of content that students need to review for. So... If as a pre-med student, you realize, oh, in my junior year, you know, I have too many classes, too many extracurriculars, then perhaps it's better for the student to wait till later to take the class uh, as opposed to, you know, another student where they figure out, oh, this semester I have a pretty uh, free uh, class schedule. So I have lots of time that I will be able to dedicate to studying. So it sounds like ideally, again, this is the the perfect scenario, is a student entering college can start planning this right away. Yeah, I'd say absolutely. I think what's very important for students is to uh, talk to their pre-health advisors, or better yet, uh, probably upperclassmen from their school, ask them, you know, what courses can I take that will best prepare me for the MCAT exam? And when do you think I should take them so that I will be able to be at a point, you know, perhaps in my junior or senior year when I can take the test? Yeah, I think that's that's key. I actually sat in on a, a pre-health advisor's session um, last week with uh, at the University of Colorado Boulder, and and that's exactly the kind of stuff they covered, is, okay, here are the classes that you're going to need to take to prepare for the MCAT, and this is when you're going to want to take it, and, and just start laying out all that all those courses now. You you mentioned having a chunk of time to to study for the test. In, in your experience, what is an ideal amount of time to study? And should that be done with no other distractions like class or work? So once again, uh, it's going to vary depending on the student. And that is, you know, I have had students ask me, you know, how many hours do I need to study to do on the MCAT? And I can say, you know, I, I know some students who studied three weeks for the MCAT and did fantastic And I also know some students who studied for six months and still didn't do so great, right? So uh, the reason why it varies is because some students are very good at retaining information in their brain. That is, they learn it and they retain it, while a lot of other students are the opposite. You know, it basically goes in their head and then, you know, a day later they forget it, right? So depending on the student themselves, and many of them know this from taking pre-med courses, they know... uh, If they're the type of student where they forget material quickly, then certainly they want to spend more time preparing for the exam. Um, But in terms of time, though, I think uh, that is something that is important. And that is, uh, you know, imagine if you start classes or, you know, a part-time job or volunteering or research in the morning, and you're starting stuff at maybe 8 or 9 in the morning, and you're doing stuff during the whole entire day until 5 or 6 p.m. and thinking that you can use just your weekday evenings and perhaps your weekends to study for an MCAT, at that point, you probably need to have more time in your schedule you know, to dedicate to studying. Because I've worked with a lot of students with such limited schedules, and ultimately, they just realize they don't have enough time and need to push their exam back. 
But at the same time, I think the the other extreme of you know saying, oh, I'm going to give up my whole entire summer to study for the MCAT. Um, that's debatable too, because studying for the MCAT is a very challenging thing. You know, when you, uh, you know, when you talk with students currently studying for an MCAT, you know, they they always laugh and be like, oh, you know, this thing's horrible. I just want to get the exam <laughs> over with, right? Um, and if all you're doing for several months is just studying for an MCAT, you know, it will make you know studying not very fun. So generally, I recommend to students, it's good to have a good amount of time each week to be able to study for the MCAT, but at the same time, be able to do something on the side, right? To do a little bit of research or a bit of volunteering. So that way, you're still seeing other people and being able to maintain your sanity. Yeah, that's that's very good advice. And I've I've talked to several students that get in those those MCAT funks and and can't really understand they don't remember why they're putting themselves through that pain mm-hmm. all right so that was a good chunk on studying for the mcat and, and kind of timelines and how long to prep what are what's another common mistake that you see with students as they're preparing for the mcat so another thing is how students prepare right you you probably you know students here it's like oh the more you study uh, you know, the better you're going to do on the exam. But the MCAT is actually a very interesting exam that you need to know how to study. And once again, I, you know, I'm just giving all these examples of students I've worked with. And for example, I had one student who, for studying, uh, she, she really enjoyed reading, right? So she enjoyed reading the review books, the textbooks, you know, relearning all the sciences. Um, but the thing, though, was she didn't do very many practice problems, right? And the MCAT isn't just a, a test of rote memorization. It's not just, you know, can you spew out all these facts about biology and chemistry and physics, but it's being able to apply those concepts, right? In the MCAT, the toughest questions are the ones that are questions uh, associated with a passage where a student has to use newly introduced content in the passage and combine it with knowledge they've learned while studying for the MCAT to derive the correct answer. So if you don't do enough practice problems, then, you know, the student isn't going to do very well in the actual exam. And at the same time, you know, the a complete opposite spectrum, I had another student who uh, she literally bought test prep books from every company, Princeton Review, uh, Berkeley Review, Kaplan, every every company you can think of. And she added up all the questions she had, and, you know, there are tens of thousands, and she came up with a study plan of, oh, every day I'm going to do 1,000 practice questions. And when she told me, you know, I, at first I was like, wow, you know, that, that's very impressive. Not many students can do 1,000 practice questions in a day, but she didn't spend any of her studying time actually reviewing the content and uh, doing practice questions is great because you know you start to pick up you know some tips and tricks over here about how to answer questions how to eliminate wrong answer choices but if you don't review the content uh, that's going to be very hard to do well because MCAT among all of the standardized exams for graduate schools and colleges I would say is the one that is the most content based Really? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. funny you, you say that because there was a study on the MCAT that showed it was the least content-based. Really? Yes. I wasn't aware of that. Ah, yes, it is. <laughs> it, it, uh, so a 2008 Journal of Science article, it's called um, Debunking the Myth of the MCAT, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll email it to you. But yeah, it, okay. it was more out of the the GRE, out of medical school tests, out of uh, I forget the other ones they compared it to, but it was the least content uh, heavy test and more comprehension and analysis, which is what you were talking about as well. I understand the comprehension analysis, but the content part, that's really impressive to me because I feel like, you know, if students don't know their chemistry, biology, and physics, it'd certainly be hard to do well on the exam. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and, and that's why the MCAT's so hard, right? You, you need to have mm-hmm. that foundation, but the, the test is still, it's still out there to get you. Um, that's correct. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this student that you had that, that got the 10,000 questions and, and planned out all of these questions. You, you talked about reviewing the content, but I want to see what you think about actually reviewing her performance or his performance with the actual questions and answers, because it doesn't sound like doing a thousand questions that there's each day, there's not enough time to actually review what you answered, why you got things right, why you got things wrong. How important is that? So that's actually extremely important. And that is, uh, you don't just want to do questions and be like, oh, this time I got like 60% or 70% or 80%, right? Um, When you're doing practice questions, it's important uh, that you be able to review the passage as well as all of the answers, right? And when reviewing answers, you don't want to just review the questions you got wrong, but also the questions you got right. And there's a few reasons for this. And the biggest reason is, Anytime you get a question wrong, you need to be able to figure out why. You know, why did I get this question wrong? And what do I need to do to make sure I don't get it wrong the next time? Right. So uh, with the Prince interview, we typically break down questions into three types. uh, Memory questions, explicit questions, and implicit questions. So memory questions are literally just factual recall. Right. So if it's just a factual recall, which you'll see this in a lot of freestanding questions, uh, if a student recognizes that they missed this type of question, that's actually a pretty easy fix because it just tells a student, oh, I need to go review my amino acids. I need to go review, you know, what the one letter codes and three letter codes are. Um, if the types of question that they're missing is instead perhaps an explicit question where uh, the answer is right in the passage, it means that what the student needs to do is uh, to rely more on the passage. And that is, a lot of students have this tendency of they read the passage, then they go to the questions, and when they read the questions, they just try to use whatever knowledge that they have to answer the question. But students missing these questions need to recognize, okay, well, if I can't figure out the answer to this question, and you know, and it's not on anything that I've learned about before for the MCAT, that means the answer has to be somewhere in the passage. And that fix means the students, you know, from there needs to uh, literally change their approach to questions and make sure that they go back to the passage if necessary uh, to answer the question as opposed to always just relying on their own knowledge. Okay. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Another mistake that you see with pre-med students would be what? Hmm. So I think uh, another mistake is thinking, uh, well, I mean, this might not be a mistake, but it's just something that a lot of pre-medical students don't know uh, with the new exam. And that is 
with the new exam, there is a much bigger emphasis on research than previous uh, and then the old MCAT exam. And that is when students go to take this new MCAT and when they're seeing passages and on the science sections, there's 10 passages per section, they're going to see that about 60 to 70% of the passages are from some sort of research article, right? So a research article, like a science article, where in the article uh, and in the passage they see, it will describe an experiment, and they'll describe the whole experimental protocol, and then they'll also present results. And these passages can be challenging for students that don't have uh, as much of a research background, right? For example, if a student doesn't know uh, what a Western blot is or an SDS page is, then it becomes really difficult for students to answer questions if the question is asking about the result from the experiment. Um, so for students that you know now become aware of this, uh, I, I highly recommend for them to try to get more involved with research. So as a pre-med student, that means they can try to uh, see if there's any labs on campus or nearby that they can participate in. Or if they don't have that uh, opportunity to them, what they can do is they can start a little journal club with their friends where you know they just choose an article a week, they get together, um, they read it, and then they have a discussion about the article. And that will help them with understanding understanding some of these more technical passages on the new exam. That's a, that's a good advice, journal club. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned some new versus old MCAT uh, issues here. Are there any other big changes or, or misconceptions about the new MCAT, students holding on to thoughts about the old MCAT? Yeah, uh, so two. So the first one is, is quick, and that is on the new MCAT, students... Uh, in terms of biochemistry, biochemistry was basically optional since it wasn't an official topic tested on the MCAT that there's a little, but little enough that students could self-study. If you look at the new exam in terms of percentage of content, uh, you'll see that biochemistry is now the second most tested content on the exam after biology, which means for the new test, uh, you know, it's definitely in the student's best interest to take biochemistry before they take the MCAT exam, or at least if they choose not to, to make sure they put in lots of emphasis to self-study that material. Um, The other uh, misconception is uh, how students learn science in general in college. And sometimes it's just the way that science is taught in college. Uh, For example, when pre-medical students come to universities, one of the first science courses they take is general chemistry. And, you know, sometimes it's a great experience. Sometimes it's not such a great experience. But after general chemistry, they would go on to organic chemistry. And the interesting thing is, if you look at a lot of universities in the U.S., uh, organic chemistry, the knowledge that you need to do well in that course doesn't actually rely much on general chemistry at all, which is why for a lot of students, they take general chemistry, then they finish, they forget all that content, they're able to go on to organic chemistry just fine. However, uh, with the new MCAT, if you look at just the first section, the chemical and physical foundations of biological systems, you'll see that all of the sciences are blended together, right? That section has 30% general chemistry, 25% physics, 15% organic chemistry, 25% biochemistry, and 5% biology. When all of those content is blended together and a student can get a passage asking questions on multiple subjects, it means that the students need to be able to connect the topics together. 
right? So not thinking of them as completely independent subjects as they might have learned in college, but to be able to understand how general chemistry concepts can be applied in a physics, organic chemistry, and biology context. It's uh, just just hearing that gives me like the like the sweats, like thinking about relearning and studying for the MCAT. I'm so glad I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> All right. So what is another common mistake that you see among pre-meds as they're preparing for the MCAT? Hmm. Other common mistakes. So I think another common mistake is use of resources, that when students are studying for the MCAT, they need to be aware of what resources are available to them for studying for the MCAT exam. And of course, me from being from Princeton Review, I would say, of course, Princeton Review has great resources, there's great classes. But at the same time, there's also other test prep company, you know, Kaplan, Berkeley Review, just to name a few. And uh each of these companies are very different, um, and I think if a student is thinking about taking a test prep course or using one of these companies' books, they should take some time to learn about uh, each company and try to figure out which one is the best uh, best one for them and their study habits. And another thing I would say is, on top of using uh, materials from a test prep companies, uh, students need to know that there are other resources that they should also be using or highly recommended that they be using. And the first one is material from the AAMC. Right? And this one is by far the most important. And the reason why is because the AAMC created the MCAT exam. So if they created the MCAT exam and they've released practice questions, and these practice questions are from previous MCAT exams, and certainly these are the most uh, similar questions that any student is going to be able to get their hands on uh, in terms of seeing what the actual MCAT is like. And uh, one other resource that I think is great for students to use is Khan Academy. Uh, so a lot of students are aware of Khan Academy since they provide very great videos, not just for the MCAT exam, but also just, you know, studying for their classes, chemistry, math, physics, and so forth. And the reason why I think these videos are great is because um, when you study, you know, let's say you take a course with the Princeton Review, you get to learn the material in a few ways from doing practice problems, from doing the reading, and from doing the course. But if you supplement your studies by watching some of these Khan Academy videos, uh, it's possible that these videos might present the content in another way. And you know, in terms of education, sometimes when you're taught material one way, it just doesn't click as well as you and just doesn't make sense. But when it's presented to you in a different way, you might realize, oh, you know, that suddenly makes a lot more sense. So I think uh, the by doing so, you know, students increase their chances of being able to find uh, a good way to understand the content. Okay, great. That's awesome. I think Khan Academy, if if you you not not you can but you listening um if you're unaware Khan Academy and the AAMC have a relationship so there's there's a, a strong tie there with Khan Academy and their MCAT prep so a great place to go mm-hmm. all right Ken uh as we were talking before we started recording you had mentioned another thing that I want to talk about and maybe have some advice for students as they are reading passages and and taking their tests. 
talk about the different methods that students use to as they're trying to understand the passage as they're reading through it. Yeah, um, so there's definitely a lot of different methods and approaches, and I would say, uh, you know, the one common uh, mistake that students make when they're doing practice problems and practice passages is to not use uh, the the tools that are available to them. And that is, a lot of students think, okay, this is just a practice passage with questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage, and after I read the passage, I'm going to answer the questions. However, uh, when you're reading, uh, when you read a passage, you know, you're reading, you have a gist of what's going on. Often, you know, a moment later, you might recognize, man, I just forgot everything I just learned from that passage, right? And then a student might find that they have to go, you know, back and reference the passage many times and, you know, search around for information. But instead, what might be more helpful to the student is to do what we call active learning, Right, so um, oh, not active learning, sorry, active reading. Right, so when you're reading the passage, don't just read it, but really uh, participate and engage yourself in the reading. And that is when you read something in the text that you feel like is going to be important for uh, answering a question, you should highlight that text or perhaps jot down uh, a few notes in your scratch sheet of paper. Right, and personally, I really uh, push for students to jot down notes on their scratch sheet of paper. And the reason is while highlighting is great, you know, you can highlight key text. When you jot down information on your scratch sheet of paper, uh, it goes into your head more clearly than just highlighting text. And a lot of students who haven't done this before, when they start doing this active reading by highlighting and jotting down notes, they find that after doing so, they actually understand the passage much better than if they didn't. And if you're able to understand the passage much better, then you're going to find that the students will have higher accuracy uh, when answering the questions. Because as you said earlier, you know, the MCAT isn't just about spewing out facts, but about that critical analysis as well. Okay. So it's, it's one of those go slower to go faster things, it sounds like. It sounds like students skip the highlighting and skip the note taking because they think they'll go faster. But in actuality, they're going back to the passage and rereading things and going slower when if they just took a couple extra seconds to highlight, to take some notes, it'll all sink in a little better. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you know, there are some students who don't like to, uh, you know, highlight and jot down notes because they think it takes too long so they won't get to all the questions. But some students also need to recognize, you know, if you just rush through all the passages, yes, you might get to all the questions. But if your accuracy is really low, uh, you might find that students can improve their scores just by maybe uh, doing eight or nine passages, but by having a higher accuracy and just guessing on the last one. All righty. Ken, why don't you tell me a little bit about the Princeton interview and and try to to help the pre-med that, that has all of these options of test prep companies and, and what makes Princeton Review stand out? Yeah, um, so I think what really makes Princeton Review stand out is they have a good balance of just about everything pre-med students need to study for the MCAT exam. And that is, uh, within our course, uh, we have what is called the MCAT Ultimate Course. And this course is 123 hours. Right? And 123 hours might sound like a lot, but it's uh, 41 classes that are three hours each. 
Now, the reason why we have so much content in our class or so many hours in our classes is mainly because uh, the MCAT has so many semesters of materials. And for any student that you know decides at some point they want to study for the MCAT exam, there is no way that all those semesters of content they just recently took, right? So um, by having our course have all these hours, we cover all of the key content that students need to know. So that way students can take our course and know, great, I've just reviewed all of the key content, right? But at the same time, on top of having the classes where we have instructors review the content, we also have the standard materials that students would use, right? So we have review books, which are basically science textbooks, as well as uh, online practice questions, online practice tests, online practice passages. And all of these materials are so students can get used to the online features of using, uh, you know, highlighting the text, left-click to select an answer, right-click to um, to strike through to eliminate an answer choice. Um, but I think another thing uh, with the Prince interview, I think what makes it very unique is our method of teaching, right? Because once again, you know, all test prep companies will have classes where they can come to class and learn the materials. But the approach that we give our teachers uh, is using a lot of what, uh, using a lot of the Socratic method. And that is, Unlike a, a regular class where, you know, a professor might just go up and just say, you know, just teach all this content, we engage the students. And that is we don't just tell them the information because, you know, that can be very boring for the students just being talked to. Instead, we ask them questions, right? We ask them to think critically about the content that they're being taught. So that way, if they're participating in class, they'll be able to get a lot more out of the class uh, than by just sitting there and listening. And another important thing about that is if you think about if you just sit in a class and your instructor doesn't just engage you, it's almost very similar to just watching videos, right? So, for example, uh, you know, if you're just going to sit in class and not, not participate at all, I'd say you'd get the same experience just by watching Khan Academy videos, right? Because the point of being in class is so you can be engaged and also if you have any questions for you to be able to ask them in class. Yeah, very good. Awesome. So, Ken, why don't we finish up for the pre-med student out there that is is knee-deep in their MCAT prep and struggling, what do you say to him or her to motivate them to keep going? So studying for the MCAT can definitely be a really can be really tough. And um, you know, and often when these students are studying, they feel like, you know, they need to have no distractions and so they need to be studying by themselves, you know, in a locked room. But you know, that can make studying very depressing. And you have to, you know, recognize, you know, medicine is a very social, uh, you know, career, lots of interactions. And that's something that students can be doing for the MCAT, right? If they feel depressed, you know, find friends that they can study with, right? And when you study with each other, you actually learn better because, um, you know, one of the best ways to learn a material is to actually teach the material to someone else. Because if you're able to do that, uh, then you'll actually you know, show that you have a very solid understanding. All right. Again, that was Ken from the Princeton Review, and we covered uh, all of the topics uh, that he sees as common mistakes for the students that he's teaching in his, his classes and the one-on-one -on -one tutoring. So 
Go back and listen to it if you need to again. Tons of great advice. But at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that I have a discount code for you. Save $225 through March 30th, 2016 on the Prince Interviews MCAT Ultimate or MCAT Self-Paced Prep Course. And if you use, if you go to the link princetonreview.com slash podcast, that will give you the $225 coupon. Again, princetonreview.com slash podcast podcast. That link will expire on March 30th, 2016. And if you are driving and you don't want to pull over and write down that information, if you're driving, please don't open up your phone and start texting that to yourself. You can always find information about everything that we talked about today, including that link to get the discount. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 172. Again, slash 172. That'll bring you to the specific blog post for this episode. I want to take a second to thank a few people that have left us ratings and reviews in iTunes. If you haven't done that, you can leave one at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. A very easy one to remember. We have one from Mariah Elizabeth that says, fantastic resource, a non-traditional pre-med, and have found that these topic-based podcasts have been incredibly, uh, have been an incredible resource for me. So you're welcome, Mariah. Thank you for leaving that review. And we have one more here from Nicole, Nicole, <laughs> lots of K's in there, that says, great, great, and great. Listen to this podcast everywhere, in the car, gym, walking between classes, tons of really great and useful information. Thank you for that review. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes, where you can leave us a rating and review. Don't forget, princetonreview.com slash podcast. Save $225 on the Prince Interviews, MCAT Ultimate, and MCAT Self-Paced Prep Courses. And if you need some more information about everything that we talked about today, medicalschoolhq.net slash 172. I hope you got a ton of great information out of this podcast. If you want more of this kind of information, go to mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com where you can find other shows that we produce like the old pre-meds podcast a great podcast for non-traditional students and even for traditional students again mededmedia.com i hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week here at the medical school headquarters and the pre-med years podcast